Okay, welcome to another episode of Stuff You Should Know About IP. And today we are going to talk about the Protecting America from Spies Act. So I stumbled upon an article um, the other day and I briefly, briefly read through it. And um, I was, I was, you always hear in the media about uh, other countries stealing our intellectual property. And I thought that this act, uh, which aims to, I guess, uh, uh, prevent, well, I'll let you explain it, but I thought that this would be a good uh, introduction to the topic of intellectual property theft, what it means for us as a nation and, and other nations for, for themselves and what we should be doing to protect intellectual property and why. So. What, yeah. Can you explain this bill a little bit better and, and what it aims to do? And Yeah, and, and by the way, it's pretty fresh. From what I understand, this is like just this past in July. I think yeah, that yeah. Not even a, it's just a bill still, but it's it's from, it's from um, well, the two big names that, I, that we remember from the presidential election are Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz, right? But let me just take you back and, well, first of all, let me just tell you first, it's about theft of intellectual property particularly theft of trade secrets. Now, you know, Ray, working with me so long that we think of, when we think of IP, we think of patents, copyrights, trademarks, and trade secrets, okay? Theft of patents is a big thing, but it's really not theft of patents that's the problem that we have with some other nations, and that is not respecting patent rights. So you get a patent in XYZ country, people you know, basically start, infringing it, and the courts don't do anything about it. That's more of a respect patent rights kind of thing. Mm -hmm. This is theft of intellectual property, really trade secrets. Because if you're going to th steal patents, patents are published, right? So the information is available for anyone who just goes and reads the patent. Right. That's the point of patents. So this, though, is really dealing with trade secrets. Intellectual property can be trade secrets. And trade secrets are basically secrets, right? Um, Coca-Cola formula is a really popular example of it. You've probably heard of Coca-Cola, Ray, right? Um, I, is that that's a, a, a soda? Is what I think. Yeah, it's like a soft drink, right? It's very obscure. Yeah. But actually, the polar bear that, in there somewhere. No, no, that answer that you gave could be correct if, in 1890, Coca-Cola had decided to file a patent application instead of keep it as a trade secret. Why? Because if they had filed a patent application at that time, the rule was you have a patent for 17 years from the date of grant, the patent grant. That changed in the 90s, but in the 1990s. But anyway, imagine that by like, oh, I don't know, 2010, I'm sorry, 1910, okay? By 1910, the trade secret for Coke, which was a patent if they had gone the other way, is available for anyone. Anybody could copy it. Right. A big reason why Coca-Cola is probably Coca-Cola today is not just that they have fantastic tasting soft drinks, but because of the mystique around their trade secret. No one's ever been able to copy it, or at least for sure. You know, people mm -hmm. have tried. I mean, I remember RC Cola and, um, and there's been other ones that are like, they kind of taste like Coke. But you might be able to legitimately say, I've never heard of Coca-Cola because they might have gone out of business in 1920, you know? Right. But they kept it as a trade secret. Now, imagine how important it is that nobody copies this. In fact, I think we talked about this in a podcast once where 
somebody recently tried to steal the the was it the Pepsi or Coke? It was Coke. Coke Cola trade. Yeah. And they tried selling it to Pepsi. It was like an admin or something at Coke, and she actually never even had it. Right. But the people who turned her in were Pepsi because they didn't want anything to do with the theft of trade secrets, right? Right, right. right. Trade secrets are really, 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 and add 10 more reallys important to companies because you spend a fortune developing them, and then they're, they're valuable to you as long as you can keep them secret and as long as they give you a competitive advantage being secret. So – in 1996, the U.S. government came up with something called the Economic Espionage Act of 1996. And essentially, it was to criminalize, you know, mostly the theft of trade secrets. Hmm. And, and the reasoning was, and believe me, I'm not an Economic Espionage Act expert, although I did create a trading program something on something about it. But from what I remember, the U.S. government said, wow, companies are being stolen by they're they're being they're being you know spied upon and their and their corporate trade secrets are being stolen not just by other companies but other nations okay imagine you have all the resources of an entire nation behind you mm. to steal the um, what was that one the the whitening the teeth the, the the whitening of the oreo cookie right huh. and that was one that was that was a big theft of trade secret years ago but the point is they created the Economic Espionage Act and they criminalized, you know, economic espionage, including theft of trade secrets. And there's millions in fines and there's years, a decade in prison for individuals who do it. That was in 1996. Right. So then flash forward to I think it was um, July 22nd, 2020, the U.S. government closed the Chinese consulate in Houston. Okay, and they did so because they're saying there's there's trade secret theft and economic espionage, right? Yeah. So, so Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio and and I forgot, I think it's Lawfer and Tillis, they came up and they said, you know, that was good, but that's not enough. We need something stronger to keep people who commit espionage and th trade secret theft out. So they passed this bill, which I'm just going to read here a minute would allow the Department of State to deny visas to individuals who have committed acts of espionage or intellectual property theft mm. against the United States. So the law, so you could deny a visa if, if a consular office or the Secretary of Homeland Security knows or has reasonable grounds to believe that the alien engaged in, engages in, or will engage in any activity in violation of any law of the U.S. related to espionage or sabotage, or that would violate any law of the US relating to espionage or sabotage if the activity occurred in the US. So if you steal trade secrets, if you spy, if you engage in espionage, and we believe you did it, you can't come into the US. And and you know that falls into the, I'm gonna call it the Olivia Colson rule, okay? My daughter Olivia. And here's what here's why I say that. So my daughter's like at the time, we'll go back maybe two years, she's like 18 or 19, right? We're in Mexico on vacation. While we're in Mexico, somebody is in our house having a party, okay? They broke into our house, had a party with like 15 people, and you know how we discovered it? They were Snapchatting about it. And my kids were following them on Snapchat. So one of my kids said, oh my God, that looks like they're in our conference room at home. So anyway, when we get home from Mexico, 
you know, the bunch of these kids we knew, right? I mean, these are people that we had had in our house before. And yeah. I said, girls, look, let's agree that these kids can't come back into our house. And uh, my daughter says, no kidding, dad. Of course, they're not coming back into our house. That's kind of something you don't even have to say, right? Right. That's how I kind of feel about this. It's like, okay, we reject people for a lot to come into this nation for a lot less than committing espionage against us, right? For stealing our trade secrets. This is the kind of thing that you would think the customs officials or whoever it is that decides whether someone gets a visa, does a background check and sees that, oh, this person has committed espionage against us or they've stolen trade secrets, let's not let them in. Right. That seems pretty obvious, right? Right. I think this is going to be one of those bills that passes in the House and Senate with no negative votes. Like, no one will vote no to saying that if you commit trade secret theft against our companies or espionage against the U.S., you can't come back in. Doesn't that seem reasonable? Yeah, it's, I, I, I mean, I have a hard time thinking why, why it wouldn't. I mean... Like, we're missing something, right? Yeah, like there's something else going on here. Well, as you as you described the, what the bill actually does, I thought to myself, well, is that not the case currently? Like, okay, good, I, like, good question. I just noticed below what I was reading, there's another thing that's relevant to that exact question, okay? Presently, individuals found to have committed IP theft are eligible to reapply for visas, okay? <laughs> right? The bill would ensure that any history of such activity would preclude entry into the United States. So today, you could commit, you know, economic espionage against us. You know, you you go into uh, DuPont. I think they're the ones with the teeth or the uh, whitening cream that ended up, or no, maybe not DuPont. Who was it that had the Oreo cookie, white, the whitening for the Oreo cookie cream? That, by the way, has been applied to a ton Nabisco? of stuff. Is it, is it a, a Nabisco company or no? Is it Oreo? I, and I wish I had looked it up before we started our podcast because I'd look way smarter right now. But it's like, you know, you've come in from another nation. You have posed as an intern. Nabisco. You know, you spend like, what is it? It's, it's Nabisco. Nabisco. Well, okay. I mean, that's who owns Oreo. I assume they own right, the, whitening. the technology. The whitening, do a search on DuPont and whitening for Oreos. Whitening for Oreo cookie cream. I don't know why they're coming into my mind. But, but anyway, there's, there was a whole case on it, right? So you're, wh whatever the case is, you're, you're working as an intern. You know, you're, we, we let you into the country. You're working as an intern for maybe six months to a year. And the whole time, you're like plotting and stealing. And, and it is DuPont. It's DuPont? It is DuPont? Yeah. Okay. So you're plotting and you're, you're bringing this stuff back to your own nation. And then suddenly all these country companies in your own nation are making the same stuff. So if that happens, does it seem like there's any chance at all we would, you know, just graciously let you back in? I mean, we are supposed to be like the most charitable True. <laughs> country, True. but I, I feel like giving away, you know, yeah. our, our, just yeah, giving sure. away our hard-earned right. you know, secrets and technology is doesn't fall under that category. It's not the kind of charitable that you want to be. Right. When, you know, while I was creating the program, the training program on the Economic Espionage Act, I did some searching to see how big of a problem, you know, trade secret theft is in the U.S. That's there a big question that I had. 
Yeah, and apparently we we lose like up to as much as six hundred billion dollars a year. Our companies lose because of trade secret theft every year. Okay. What? Yeah, it's a big problem, right? Wait, but and, is that real loss or is that just is like I guess what I mean is well, yeah. Uh, it, it, would we would we still have actually made that money or is that like? I no. think no. It's not. It's not loss in. It's not loss in. The trade secret was worth this, and we're calling it worth six hundred billion. I think what they're saying is, what are the economic losses to the companies that have had their IP, their trade secrets stolen each year? What are their economic losses? Because remember, what does a trade secret do? It gives you, if you're the only one that has this super white cream in your Oreo cookies, any knockoff cookies. Like you go to, I go to my favorite grocery store on earth is Wegmans. And they have a Wegmans brand, like a, a branded thing that looks a lot like an Oreo cookie. But what if the main differentiator is the fact that your cream is so white? Right. And you have a trade secret on how you make it. And suddenly, everybody's got these brown tops with the white, super, super white inside. And they're all copying. Why would you ever pay more for the Oreo brand versus the Wegmans brand or the Topps brand or the Price Chopper brand or whatever? So how much do you lose as a result of losing the secrecy of your trade secrets? That's the question. And believe, and I'm sure there's economists that have much bigger brains than Tom and Ray who are figuring that stuff out. But they say it's between like 225 and 600 billion in losses each year. Let's say they're off by, it's only half of that. It's 125 to 225 billion yeah. a year to 250. That's a lot. So right. you can see why, but then I get back to the bill and I think, yeah, no kidding. Of course, we're going to not let these people back in if they have committed espionage against the U.S. or have, you know, conspired in or actually stolen trade secrets from U.S. companies. Enough's enough, right? Yeah. So I think Rubio and Cruz and Tills and Loeffler, they're going to have a pretty easy time of getting this to um, to go through. Okay, so... Um... I think I think that you covered the the bill pretty thoroughly, and it makes a lot of sense. My question is now, uh, how exactly do you steal a trade secret? Like, how do these things go down? Like, you you researched this, so you probably know a couple of the stories. At least I don't know if you remember them yeah. in detail, but like, because I would think I I know that in order to have an enforceable trade secret, you have to have there's a certain standard in terms of your internal policy that you have in order to keep it a secret. Like you've got to have and measures in place. Right? Process. Yeah. Processes, so right. I would think that like it must be difficult to prove uh, that that because like if someone can if someone can penetrate that or get 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 through that, then isn't that in some way like your fault? You know, like shouldn't you have had a more stringent process like right yeah. where does that line get drawn yeah so so there's there's requirements to have a trade secret because here's the the hard part about okay let, let's just say that if you have a patent in theory you know that you can enforce it now in reality like half the issued patents throughout the world if you actually litigated them you'd find out that there was prior art that was undiscovered and they'd be invalidated so in theory if you have a patent you can enforce it and you know that now, again, ignore the fact that in reality, it might be invalidated. A trade secret is different. Here's the crazy thing about a trade secret. You don't know if you have an enforceable trade secret until you try to enforce it, okay? 
Because in order to have an enforceable trade secret, it's got to be kept secret, right? It's got to have that economic, meaningful economic value to you because it's secret, right? And you have got to put processes, both, both people processes and technical processes in place to protect your trade secret. You know, commensurate with the value of the trade secret. So if you basically say, oh, this is my trade secret. I saw an email once. Guy sends out an email and it comes to me and I read the bottom and it says at the bottom, in case you receive, you know, anything contained in this email is uh, confidential and trade secret information yeah, yeah, yeah. to this company. And I kind of smile and I'm like, not anymore. Because <laughs> in, order to, in order to keep it as a trade secret, there's like a circle of trust. What was that Robert De Niro movie with uh, the uh, Meet the Fockers or something like that? Yeah, the circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Circle of trust. Are you in the, the circle of trust? Within a company, to have a trade secret, you have a circle of trust. Like Ray and Tom work for the same company, right? Yeah. But if I have a trade secret and you don't need to know it because you're not in that department or it's not relevant to what you do, you can't right. know it. You're not in the circle of trust, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to have a circle of trust in place. Then you need access controls, which are both process, people process, and technical. And then you need a way to determine whether you were breached, right? So back in the early 2000s, I was running a company called IP.com, and we had a system which was an invention management system which had trade secret protections in it. And essentially, it not only kept people out with access controls and all the right technical barriers and that sort of thing, but it tracked usage, which by the way, now everyone does it. So I know you're all, anybody who's watching, the, one of the millions of people watching is probably like, oh yeah, everybody does that. But back then it wasn't so obvious. And because our goal was track it so that if you're ever breached, you can prove that that person had access to it. Right. Right. But yeah, trade secret cases are hard to prove, which is why it's so expensive for companies when the whole nation is against them right. to pursue all the right people and bring people to justice and try to put their secret back into the bottle to the extent that it can be. But that's one of the horrors, one of the tragedies of trade secret theft is that unlike patent theft, if somebody infringes your patent, you can shut them down and you still have a patent that's protecting you. Once right. a trade secret is out there, it's out there and no one can, you know, you, you lost your protection. You, your protection, your trade secret enforceability will poof into the air, into a cloud of nothing, even if you win the case. So all you can really do at that point is punish the people who did it. And hopefully that's enough to be a deterrent to keep people from doing it, which is right. why the Economic Espionage Act is so big. And maybe this new thing by um, Cruz, Tillis, Laufer, and uh, Rubio right. will be big because they create deterrence. Because once you've violated it, once it's out there, your trade secret is lost. You'll never have protection again. So you really have to have strong deterrence to get people. And maybe the fact that you can't reapply, which why would you be able to anyway? But the fact that you can't reapply for a visa after you've stolen trade secrets from a U.S. company, hopefully that'll be a deterrent as well. It almost seems a little bit like, I mean, I, not that I don't think it should be the case, but I disagree with the law, but it almost seems a little bit like nothing if you're up against the country. Because if, the con if a country wants to, you know, commit espionage, they'll just send someone who hasn't been caught already. Right, but keep in mind, the Economic Espionage Act applies to companies, to nations, and to individuals. So 
If you want to be like, uh, you know, a World War II kamikaze pilot and fly your plane into a ship and die along with it for the, you know, for the good of the nation, okay. And that's kind of how it would be with trade secret theft, because if you get caught as an individual, even if you're representing a nation or a company, you could end up in jail for 10, 12 years. I mean, you could be- Oh, it's that, it's that much of a punishment. Oh yeah, up to 10 years for individuals per offense, right? Wow. And not to mention fines of millions. So, so it is a deterrent against people doing it because they know, I mean, who wants to end up in jail? Right. So, so in this case, then, if you're from a foreign, uh, and we're, we're talking about the U.S. here specifically. So if you were from a foreign country um, and you, you got, you were um, convicted of, of espionage, economic espionage, theft of trade secrets, then you could be like extradited to the U.S. and put in jail. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I was just glancing over at my little cheat sheet over here, and um, it's actually uh, penalties for the economic espionage portion are up to 15 years for individuals. Wow. Yeah. So that's some that's some serious time. I mean, your yeah, life. That's is not, yeah. That's, that's not. Yeah. That's not like, like a week. A like weekend. Or a ship, right. Yeah. What if you're What if you're 47 years old? I mean, first of all, you need to be of a certain age to, I guess you could be 25 or 26, right? But even that, could you imagine losing from 26 to 41? Like all your really cool years, you know, where you're in your career, you're getting married, you're having kids. I mean, all the times when you're doing a lot of really important stuff that's going to carry you for the next 40 years is gone because you're in prison. Wow. Yeah, so. Yeah. So I guess the message there is if you commit espionage against the U.S. or theft of trade secrets, which is a form of espionage, can't come back. The uh, the theme song. No, no, you can come back to go to prison. <laughs> you just can't get a visa. Oh, man, that's great. Got to love it. Okay, well, uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I hope that uh, you enjoyed our talk about trade secrets, the theft of intellectual property. Uh, if you enjoyed this, please hit the like button. Uh, leave your comments in the comment box below. And of course, share the podcast with your friends and family who are all just dying to know about intellectual property. They just don't know it yet. You got to see us talking about it, right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. Yeah.